It's Saturday night. I have no date. A two-liter bottle of Shasta and my all-rush mixtape. Let's rock. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 18, Anthology of Interest 2. The Squeakwall. Or, excuse me, Electric Boogaloo. I prefer... Electric Boogaloo. I kind of prefer the squeak wall because it's very silly. I mean, it is our. It is another what if machine, silly sort of. Um, yeah, what if the squeak wall was actually good? What was wor- that noise? <laughs> the what if machine? <laughs> I was giving the what I I didn't you see me pull the giant. Your foley uh, work needs a little work. I, no, hold on. I didn't do any foley work. Did you not see the what-if machine that I pulled the slot machine arm on? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Is it? Am I supposed to beseech it with some incense? I'm sorry. Uh, it just seems that our totally here what-if machine that's in the room with us right now is maybe a little broken, and that's why it sounded really bad. I adjusted it <laughs> so that it'd be accurate <laughs> to one-tenth of a plausibility unit. So plausible, I don't believe it. So, yes, it's another it's another non-canonical what-if machine episode. Yes, certainly is. So a lot of weird stuff is going to happen today. So strap in, put your seatbelt on, because we are going to the edge. Wait, no, I mixed a few metaphors there. You're, you're going to pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. That's the one. So you better put on a seatbelt. But yeah, you better put on a seatbelt or else it might be dangerous. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> At the local Coliseum. Anthology of Interest 2. The Squeakwall. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> uh, it's, yes. It's got two subtitles. We, we start out the episode in Planet Express and the professor is beating a the, his what-if machine mm-hmm. with a hammer and uh everyone's watching yeah just hanging around watching it this seems like a legitimate thing and then he declares that he's done making adjustments because apparently that's how the professor makes adjustments i I mean i usually use a machete with my electronics to make adjustments i don't know that i'd use a hammer but i'm also going to point out that i don't have an intergalactic spaceship that i designed and built and own and maintain and maintain so while I'm sitting here being like, oh, hammer's not how you fix a, a what-if machine, the professor's cruising around the galaxy teaching alien women how to love. That's true. He does do those four things. He did design, build, and own, and maintain it. You just built it. So, I mean, you know, you, you've got one of the four, so that's not bad, but you don't have all four like the professor. So the, the first question that gets asked is from Bender, and... He gives this whole <laughs> spiel about how he is. Uh, he wants to know what it's like, uh, what would happen if he were human, because as a robot, he doesn't have emotions, and sometimes that makes him sad. And he sobs a little bit. It's... And like even the professor's like, oh, baby's crying again, because <laughs> apparently the robot, who has no emotions, cries a lot. Now, I wonder if it's if he's acting like he has those emotions, or if he actually does. That's ambiguous. I think that throughout the entirety of Futurama, there's enough evidence to show that Bender does, in fact, have emotions. Because he's kind of sad at the end of a cider, uh, the Cyber House rule. Sure. He gets sad after um, it's in a later episode, but the one where he dates Calculon... At the end, he's like crying a little bit, and then like fakes it by saying emotions oh, are yeah. dumb and should be hated. Oh yes, the uh, which is one of my favorite Futurama lines. But yes. we'll get there in a future episode. I'm put, jumping way put ahead. Put a pin in that one. 
Um, so I think there's enough evidence okay. to show that he has emotions. Sure. But maybe like robot emotions work differently. Maybe um, they only work with um, well the Java runtime environment. Yeah. And he's the, tired of Java updates. He just needs to update his JRE. Uh, but there is another instance that we forgot is the one episode where he had the memory chip implanted in or the the, the emotion chip mm-hmm. implanted in so he would have the same emotions as Leela. Maybe it's not that he doesn't have emotions. Maybe it's just that he doesn't have empathy. Well, that's known. Anyways, Bender gets upset. <laughs> and so they ask the what if machine, uh, what if Bender was a human? Yeah, the professor yells it into the microphone of the what if machine and then pulls a pull string on the side of the machine to start up the what if. I do appreciate that the what if machine gets activated in a different way literally every time. It's literally used. every time. We cut to this first tale of interest, and Bender is lying on a uh, table in the professor's lab, and the professor explains that he's perfected something called reverse fossilization. It works by reversing regular fossilization, which, which turns flesh and bone into minerals. I also enjoy that his explanation of how it works is it's just the opposite of fossilization. Like once he figured out fossilization, yeah, the rest was easy. Oh, clearly. Like uh, once, <laughs> hey, when I can do two plus two equals four, I can e- easily go back from four to two plus pl- two. Reverse addition. Exactly. There's no other word for that than reverse addition. We just invented it right now. You've been counting up your entire life. Well. Gather round, we've got a brand new technology called reverse addition that's going to let you count back down. For only four easy payments of nineteen ninety nine. you can have this amazing new system. This is Edgar. Edgar Einstein? Albert, if this is the sound you want, listen to this! <laughs> Finally, I I want to point out. Finally, we have married the two the two ideas in our the podcast title. Yeah, it's about time we've actually made a Back to the Future reference <laughs> on this. The professor has tested this out already. He's turned the toaster into a raccoon, <laughs> which still makes toast. Uh huh. Uh, Fry eats the toast and says it's kind of gamey. I'm not comfortable with this <laughs> at all. Zero percent comfortable. With the idea of a raccoon toaster. I don't know. Is it? I need to toast, probably. No, okay, important important question. <laughs> okay. Are you putting bread in the raccoon and then it toasts it, or is the, the raccoon sort of generating toast? Because the toast that comes out looks kind of like just the raccoon. I think it's more sustainable if the raccoon is generating the toast. That only raises more questions. (laughs) I'm not comfortable with (laughs) raccoon toast. Well, it's the future. uh, I've always known you've been against progress. It's true. I I spend my... When I'm not recording my podcast, I spend my time on my Amish farm raising barns. (laughs) without electricity it's you you caught me there mike it's true you certainly the professor is getting ready to reverse fossilize bender and bender has a quick thought of of regret but it's too late he hits the switch bender becomes human in a sort of grotesque weird scene yeah where he turns into a human including a bit where hermes rushes to put some tidy whities on him and there's just a little bit of a bulge yeah. sort of starting in the crotchal region. Yeah, at, at, he is turning into a human male. Let's put it that way. Um, he, Hermes does say... I'm also uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with everything <laughs> about this episode well, so there, far. There's a joke coming up that, that pays off that. But uh, Hermes comes over and cover your shame, man. And, and it's very it's very good. Although I don't know why Hermes just keeps a pair of tidy whities on. That's around. a good question. Unless I've never it, considered that. Unless... Unless it was, <laughs> unless it was basically like we know we're gonna turn him into a human. We assume things are gonna happen. Let's make sure we are prepared. He is the bureaucrat. It's, it's his true. job to 
be a bureaucrat. Anyway, well, when you change a robot into a human, you have to have underwear. It's just the regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I literally wrote in my notes: Bender starts getting a little bulge, and it makes me uncomfortable, as though I could forget. <laughs> um, huh? It's funny. Like now that you bring it up, I had forgotten it before. Speaking of, uh, Bender turns into a human. Blonde um, hair and. And he immediately is like checking out his new body and he's like, hey, my antenna's gone. Oh, no, wait. It just moved. Not getting good reception on it, though. Maybe if I wiggle it a little bit. (laughs) And Fry's like, no, Bender, it'll make God cry. (laughs) I really enjoy, like, despite the fact that I've spent the last... 20 minutes being uncomfortable. <laughs> I really enjoy this t- this specific tale because of just the amount that Bender does not understand being human. Which I guess is a good point cuz like if I wasn't a human and then suddenly I was, there's a lot I would not really understand. Well, think about it the other way. If you were you're you're a human now, I think we can both agree on that. Debatable, but continue. Okay. You're somewhat human uh if you were turned into a robot you wouldn't know how to what to do with yourselves uh, multiple yourselves i, I wouldn't think. be able to eat things and that would probably make me turn my on off switch to off let me just let me suggest that you can eat things you just can't taste them pass that's fair uh speaking of eating bender does the <laughs> reverse of that he invents he invents a new a reverse form of eating where he just for whatever reason immediately just starts vomiting profusely all over the floor and he thinks it's great he thinks it's great (laughs) this being a human is pretty fun and then goes right back to vomiting everywhere somehow he can vomit on (laughs) command which is terrifying and zoidberg's like hooray it's just like mardi gras this is this This anthology of interest is a very sneaky, good Zoidberg episode for those keeping track at home. Uh, Among the other things that Bender decides to try out now that he's a human is he kisses Amy, who's looking more attractive than usual for some reason. Uh, That's true. Also, he he tries he comes into the room and tells everybody, you have to come in the bathroom and see what I'm what I've what has happened in there. Uh huh. And um, Leela says it's not good to be a show off. And <laughs> he also try. He's like, "Oh man, ki- kissing is great. Let me try that again." And he kisses the professor, and he's like, "Nah, it seems to be wearing off. It, it's not working." Professor's like, "Speak for yourself." Uh, they go to a bar. Ozorgnax, our yeah. favorite local oh, establishment. Clearly. It's our watering hole, and he's smoking and drinking and getting really excited about it, which he points out. It's fun now because it's bad for him. I mean, I get that impulse. I understand it. Speaking of, try these nachos. And he just goes to town on those nachos. To be fair, if I had some nachos in front of me right now, I'd be doing that same thing. Just like arms in there and just shoveling. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm with you. I'm starving. Yeah, we're sitting here talking about nachos while, you know, dinner is awaiting. <laughs> Podcast over. Let's go. And eat. we're done. Yes, excellent. One tail, one half tail of interest. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, he's he's tearing into these nachos and then uh Conga by Gloria Estefan comes up on the yes. radio. It, it's a recurring theme through this it's the tale. only song played in this entire tale of interest. Like it happens a multiple times. Because so it starts up and his human butt starts uh, feeling the rhythm, as my human butt tends to do as well. And he's dancing around to Gloria Estefan, shoving nachos in his face, smoking a cigar, drinking beer. All at once. All at once. And then he just spends the rest of the night doing this. He goes out to a club where they're also playing Gloria Estefan. <laughs> and it's, he's he's doing this and making out with random women at the bar uh, or at the club. 
So so there's a there's a a, a, a beat that I I don't want to let uh to go over too fast. Amy tells that him that part of being human is having self control. And then Bender immediately responds by saying, I bet I could eat nachos and go to the bathroom at the same time, which everybody holds him back. Um, the professor tells him that he needs to be in good shape for when when he shows uh, Bender to the, uh, the Nobel P- Prize Committee next week. Bender has slipped out of everybody's grasp and jumps out the window screaming, goodbye, moderation. I know that feeling. I also um, know that feeling. So yeah, that's when he goes to the club and he's he's dancing to more Gloria Estefan, which by the way, literally every time I hear that song now, I, <laughs> I think 100% think of Human Bender every time. The two are forever interlinked. I would just like to thank the writers of Futurama for ruining that song for us. Thank you. I do love the fact that when he's dancing with these women at the club, he uh, he's eating hot dogs, drinking beer at almost at the same time as kissing them, where the women are like like flailing, like trying to get out of his it's grasp. Pretty it's, gross. And somehow there's a lot going on. After he closes down the the club, they still join him, and he he opens up Dink and Donuts, and then closes that out. So he spent all day eating donuts and all night eating hot dogs and drinking beer. And yeah, he lives quite a life that it's, I mean, when you have a diet you need to stick to and it's the donut and hot dog and beer and cigar diet, you got to do it. He is, he is growing noticeably larger as he eats. So it cuts to the professor, um, at the Nobel prize committee, uh, one week later. Zoidberg asks, is Bender still missing for a week? Where is that guy? Thanks for that little bit of exposition, Zoidberg. Um, <laughs> I, I love the wording of that. Is he still missing for a week? So, yes, Bender has been missing for a week, which we know thanks to Zoidberg. And then the professor is stalling for time. But then all of a sudden, Fry comes in. He's like, Bender's finally here. They pull back the curtain. And he is this colossal... Grotesque. Just like... I just can't even. He, hundreds and hundreds of pounds. If it, it, it's just so many, he he's like a a giant wrecking ball of a human, and totally naked. Oh, totally. And everybody just gasps because they're like, "What did you do?" And the the professor's trying to like talk this up as a good thing yeah wernstrom says he needs medical attention to which zoidberg jumps on stage and says he's got a pulse of three three hundred a liver failing cholesterol 40 that doesn't seem so bad no 40 pounds 40 pounds of cholesterol (laughs) that's the reading he got from his medical machines it's wonderful uh bender literally pulls out a grilled cheese sandwich oh, from a tr- between his uh folds of fat and uh he, he also finds a pretty scientist uh in the crowd and says hey you want to kiss old bender it's just it's all gross it's just all terrible they tell the professor that he is just this awful person and bender gives this like weird heartfelt speech like as men of science, are you are your minds not open to new ideas? Do not judge me until you have tried my way of life for yourselves. <laughs> Wernstrom says that he's opened their minds and swayed their hearts. And now it's time to party! And so, of course, Conga by Gloria <laughs> Estefan comes on. <laughs> the, the only song in the world. Uh-huh. Is that actually what the song is called? It's called Conga, Okay, yeah. good. I, I think it's it, it, them and the... The music machine. Because I've said it somebody? like I've said it like dozens of times now, and I want to make sure that I'm getting the name of the song correct because it's the only song that exists in this tale of interest. Um, there is another. There is another piece of music in another tale of interest. So they, um, they party. <laughs> they, they party hard. They party hard. And well, when you get scientists in a room and you tell them to party, they do it experimentally it oh yeah 100 percent um write down the results in peer-reviewed journals so i can only the journal of partying 
I need to start a scientific journal. How does one do such a thing? Because that sounds like a something we definitely need. We need party experiments. Party experiments. Okay. Um, if you have ideas on how to get this journal off the ground, or if you have submissions for the journal, please tweet at Back to Futurama. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyways, they um, uh, they party a whole bunch, and then all the scientists like wake up. Not all of them. They're all passed out. Yeah. Wernstrom um, comes up to Bender and tells him that he was right, which Bender woos. Woo. Uh, and then uh, Wernstrom grabs a medal off of another scientist and says, I'll give you, I'm going to award you the Nobel Prize in uh, chemistry and hands it over to Bender. And then we find out that, because uh, Bender's not moving at all, we find out that Bender's dead. He died about the time the party started. I, I love Fry. He's like, he kind of jumps in there, throws his hand in front, like just waves it and it's like, he's dead. Very, he, he's he's very good at that kind of deadpan. He's dead. But as Wernstrom points out, he literally just said "woo." It's just airflow, <laughs> air escaping his. God, I can't even. It's the air escaping from his folds of fat, and then the professor sort of pushes him, and he goes "woo," <laughs> and then uh, they roll him out the door, and he just goes "woo, woo." Uh huh. And that is the end of this tale of interest. <laughs> to which the the unseen narrator says, "You watched it. You can't unwatch it." I think that's a pretty good. Okay, first of all, okay, I think it's a telling thing because of how gross a lot of that was. Yes. Second, we should find a method of reverse watching so that you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, un- I love it. Unwatch things. Sure. We already know how to watch things, so the yeah. rest should be easy. It should be, absolutely. So back at, back at Planet Express, outside of the... In the framing story, let's just be honest. Um, the professor asks, who else has a question for the What If Machine? Scruffy? Katrina? Xanthor? <laughs> Katrina's like this little fairy, which just every time, <laughs> like, that... <laughs> Katrina very specifically makes me laugh because it's just this little green like <laughs> it's true fairy woman like floating there with her wings yeah and it's I don't know is what it, it is about Kat- Katrina man yeah Katrina is the unexpected one and Xanthor just seems to be a guy in a turtleneck smoking a pipe which is I'm, also pretty good. I'm sure it's probably a reference to something oh I'm sure and I'm sure somebody is probably gonna Tell us what that is. But. Or we could check. We could go to go- Ben Google's that corner and go to the Infosphere. It's more fun to be corrected on the internet. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Fry says he has an idea. Uh, and he says, I'm good at video games and bad at everything else. That's why I wish life were more like a video game. <laughs> the professor asks him to phrase it like a question. And he then says, what if uh, that thing I said? They start the what if simulation. Okay, I want to point out how they start it. They they light an incense in front of the what if machine and then beseech thee to show him what if life were like a video game. It's it's a, the it's so amazing. So they they start the simulation and it's the little asteroids ship. But if you're not familiar with a lot of classic video games, none of the next. 10 to 15 minutes of this podcast is going to make any sense. There's barely any sense to be had. So it starts out uh, with like a ship like in the game Asteroids. Yeah. And then it lands and that turns out that's the Planet Express ship. Of course. It's Um, got that that famous green color. mm -hmm. And they land and they walk into Planet Express and Nixon's on TV signing a historic peace accord with Ambassador Kong from the planet Nintendo 64. Fry sees uh, Ambassador Kong and says, "He, kn- I know that monkey. His name is Donkey. <laughs> the professor reacts with monkeys aren't donkeys. Which, Quit messing with my head. Which I love specifically because I now think that when I see Donkey Kong. That and the DK rap, let's be honest, because inflatable coconut Donkey guns. Go- <laughs> inflatable coconut guns. I... I- I remember, I, I I totally forgot about the the remixes of the DK rap. I, I I should point out that if you follow me specifically on Twitter, <laughs> I for whatever reason 
every so often I get strangely obsessed with the DK rap and it is the only thing I'll listen to for like a day or two. And, and I tweet about it almost incessantly <laughs> to the point at which at one point I had a tweet deck column where I'm like, <laughs> search my Twitter handle and DK rap. And I looked at it and I'm like, oh, there's too many tweets here. <laughs> and, and it's not just like recent stuff. Like I looked back and I was like, oh, that was like the year I joined Twitter. That was not recent. So Donkey Kong immediately, uh, he, he go, is asked to sign this peace agreement, and instead he throws a barrel at Nixon and then jumps up on top of the UN building and like stomps down on it, causing all this floors to go angular like in the video game. And Donkey then Kong. Mario is there because he's apparently the uh, Italian UN ambassador. It's true. He, he then says, the cruel meatball of war has rolled onto our laps and turned our white pants of peace. And <laughs> it's just, I just, I love, I love the ambassador to Italy being Mario so much. So then we, uh, we get into a, an intergalactic war with the Nintendians. Of course. And uh, so they go to military HQ <laughs> with uh, a tank from Battle Zone. Mm-hmm. And all the doors in the in military HQ are like Missile Command and Secretary of Defender and Moon Patrol. Um, they uh, the military has summoned Fry as he knows the secret of video games, and they step into the war room with the blue key. You need the blue key to enter. Um, and they meet with General Colin Pac-Man. <laughs> like, the amount of video game references they have shoved into this, like, six-minute long story... Oh, it's amazing. ...is fantastic. They have little um, time to do it, and then they're like, well, let's just do everything, then. Uh, Fry, it ha- like you said, Fry has been summoned because he knows the secret um, of the Nintendians, and as Fry puts it, he spent all of ninth, ninth grade studying them, except the day when his eyes started to bleed. And it's a pretty good day not to study them, I think. In the middle of this explanation, uh, the military HQ, every time I say that, because <laughs> it's so close to military. I know, you have to think about it, it's wonderful. Military HQ gets attacked, and so... Uh, Colin Pac-Man is like, quick, to the escape tunnels. And they and just they- go through a Pac-Man maze. <laughs> and they're all going wagga, wagga, wagga. Well, like, w- when in Pac-Man land, do, do as a- Pac-Man do. It's true. It's a very famous saying. Um, very clearly. Z- Zoidberg sure does as Pac-Man does. Zoidberg gets into it. Because he's going around eating the little pellets and the little fruit, the like 8-bit uh, fruit. and uh, He accidentally ends up eating fry. <laughs> Everybody is like, oh no, Fry's dead. And then Fry sort of, he literally slides into frame. Yeah. He doesn't even walk. No, he just he slides, slides in. <laughs> which for some reason makes this all the better. And he's like, it's okay. I had another guy. <laughs> and everybody cheers. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, fi- they finally get out of the, the tunnels, escaping through a pipe of uh, like Mario. Uh, Mm-hmm. near planet express like literally right outside planet express uh zoiberg immediately starts coughing up the pack pellets uh, along with a cherry a pretzel and a key there's a lot of vomiting in this episode <laughs> just a little <laughs> bit <laughs> and then space invaders start shooting down towards earth and we see in one of the top ships lure from the planet nintendo 64 usually from omicron Percy mm-hmm. 8 but we're in a what if so huzzah um, has told the people to, of Earth to tremble in fear. So they ask Fry to uh, take out these space invaders, and Fry said, in one of my all-time favorite Futurama lines ever, Fry says, it's Saturday night. I have no date, a two-liter bottle of Shasta, and my all-rush mixtape. And then it cuts to him in this like tank that's moving around just like in Space Invaders, while Tom Sawyer by Rush plays. <laughs> which, again, every time I hear that song, I think of this specific episode. Yeah. And uh, so that's playing along, and he's shooting the Space yeah, Invaders. Yeah, he, he's like at an arcade cabinet playing the game. And yeah, the controls the are literally an yeah. arcade cabinet. It's, it's, this, this is, if you're anything, if you like video games at all, th- this is just an amazing sequence. 
Um, and then they're getting close to victory, and then uh, some little eight-bit bullets come in and hit uh, Colin Pac-Man, and he just he's like so cold, and then he kind of whoa 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> then Miss Pac-Man comes up and starts crying. Waka waka waka. Which is incorrect, by the way, because she's Ms. Pac-Man, not Mrs. Pac-Man. It's true. So uh, she's her own independent Pac-Woman. <laughs> exactly. Just pointing that out to be um, technically correct, w- the best w- kind of correct. I will say it does lead to a very funny line where Fry like goes over to Amy and says, Amy, tend to the widow Pac-Man. I can't say I've ever played a widow Pac-Man arcade. <laughs> it seems... It seems like in poor taste that they made that game, but I'm excited to find it. Uh Uh-huh. The ultra rare cabinet Widow (laughs) Pac-Man. So Lur is uh, ordering everybody to increase speed, drop down in reverse direction. And Fry has some tricks up his sleeve to to shoot up through his own shield, which everybody gasps, and Bender calls him a madman. He's doing pretty good, but then it's down to one ship, and it's going really fast, which, by the way, as an aside, did you know that the ships in the original Space space Invaders only went faster because it freed up more uh, processing power, and it was like a weird side effect, and they were never intended to go faster as the... Oh, mm-hmm. that's actually kind of neat. <laughs> right? And then people just liked it because it made it more difficult as the level went on. So... Yeah, that happy little accidents yeah. happen all over the place. One of my favorite Space Invaders facts. Anyways... Um, this has been Ben Space Invaders facts. It's going to be a regular segment in the rest of the <laughs> you podcast. You never know. It might. You never know. And at that point, Fry is trying to shoot and he just can't do it. And he's like... Uh, I always had my brother do the last guy for me. And uh, then the last little ship with Lur in it lands. It says, war over. And then displays a uh, an initials entry screen where Fry just chuckles and puts in A-S-S. And then, yeah, he thinks he's very clever. Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, who hasn't done that once or twice? I always put in my name because Ben is three letters and it's there for... Oh, uh, that's nice. Yeah, see, I'm telling you, life hack, have a name with three letters. That's true. Uh, when when arcade games got good enough that you could put in more than three, like, uh, so I'm thinking of like NFL Blitz in 99, I put in, it had six, so I put in my mic and then my last initial. Nice. Yeah. So the war is over, the ship has landed, the staircase kind of descends out. And all these video game creatures come out, like Qbert and Donkey Kong, a robot from the game Berserk, a fried egg from Burger Time, and an evil brain bot that, uh, after I looked it up on the Infosphere, they think it's from Robotron 2084. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Also, one of them says, all your base are belong to us, because Mm -hmm. that meme was still hot and fresh when this came out. It may not be hot and fresh, but it's still good. It may I mean, not it may not be dank anymore, but it's good. All your base is never gonna die. And it shouldn't. Let's be honest. And I'm I'm okay with that. As far as memes go, I think that's that one's fine sticking around. It's pretty good. The Nintendians say that what they want is quarters. Millions of dollars in quarters. Because they need <laughs> to do laundry. A million allowances of quarters. Um, yeah, they need to do their laundry just like everybody else. Uh, or Well, the professor says, we, we need those quarters to do our laundry. And then the Nintendo 64ians or Ninten- Nintendians. Nintendians. See, I need. it's very important to refer to them as mm-hmm. the right. The Nintendians need to do their laundry as well. I mean, have you smelled Donkey Kong's loin cloth recently? <laughs> and Zoinberg is just like, yes. With this <laughs> just like so deadpan. Deadpan. <laughs> You know what? You're right. This is this is a phenomenal Zoidberg episode. Phenomenal. And he we haven't has, even gotten to the last one yet. He has so few lines in this episode, especially during the first two parts. Yeah. He has so few lines, and but they're 100% pure joy. Yeah. It's like that you just, you know, if you have a friend that just like doesn't talk a whole lot, but when you when they zing, it's a zinger. That's Zoidberg. That's that's a Zoidberg. Um, so then the announcer was like, 
that's interesting or whatever he says. Yeah, because they they the the end of the the tale is that they just decide to throw in the laundry with them. Right. So unless unless Lur's capes shrinks and then I will extinct your entire species. Could have prevented a whole war just by like offering to share laundry duties, but you know. Well, I mean, th- then how it, why would you attack Nixon? And I mean, who likes doing laundry really? And who likes not attacking Nixon? <laughs> um so back to the framing story. There's time for one last question. And they're trying to figure <laughs> out <laughs> I haven't even said it yet. I man. read. I read a little bit. They're ahead. they're trying to figure out who is going to ask the next question, and then the they, professor's like, "Let's ask my who ask machine." And the machine's like, "Um, mm, Amy," and then Amy gasps, and he's like, uh, "I mean, Leela." And so Leela gives this whole talk about how she's never really had a home because she grew up in the orphanarium, which Bender's even like, he does a little like hand talking sort of motion. <laughs> I, I love how openly dismissive everybody is of everybody else in this episode. Uh-huh. And so she asks what it would be like if she had a home or if she found her true home is how she words it. And then the professor pulls this big slot machine sort of handle conks her right in the head and she sort of fades off into a dream that is it's a very wizard of oz if you've never seen the film wizard of oz you say it's very wizard of oz if you've never seen the film the wizard of oz the next 15 minutes (laughs) of this podcast are not going to make any sense I, i like the only part of the podcast that makes sense for some people may end up being the one where the robot turns into a human And vomits everywhere on the floor <laughs> and dances to Gloria Estefan now, because we can all relate to that. We, we, I mean, I can. They played that three times in that episode and I danced each time. But I like I like the idea that there is, of the Venn diagram of our listeners, there are people that... <laughs> <laughs> there are people that don't... That may not know video game culture and may not have seen The Wizard of Oz at all. Mm-hmm. Like... I love the fact that that might actually exist. And <laughs> both of those circles are com- are surrounded by one big circle that says congas every time Gloria Estefan comes on. A.K.A. humanity. Because that's 100% of people. I, th- th- there are some dogs. <laughs> like my dog gets down in grooves. Anyways, it's a it's a Wizard of Oz scene oh, where it's, it's a whole Wizard of Oz thing. It's it starts out and like Scruffy is riding on a broom in a tornado, and she lands uh, the the so Leela's on the Planet Express ship. Yeah, that's where she comes to. Lands in this very colorful world, having crushed somebody uh, with these ruby boots. Yeah, she looks around and says. I guess Tone It Down doesn't exist on this planet. Oh, I literally wrote in my notes, it's a direct Wizard of Oz thing. Again, like I it's was going to forget that. It's not even close. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad you write the notes that you might forget. Um, All the munchkins come out and is like, you uh, you crushed the Man Witch of the West. I do want to point out the munchkins are consisting of Cubert, Dwight, a slurm worm, uh, a Neptunian, perhaps a Neptunian millhouse. Maybe no. Who knows? Uh, a Grunkalunka and Tinny Tim. And, and they are uh, resemble, but are legally distinct from the Lollipop Guild. Which they immediately start to sing a song. resemble, but are legally distinct from the Lollipop Guild. When they tell her that she crushed the Man Witch of the West, <laughs> she's like, that explains how these boots magically appeared on my feet. And they're like, no, you stole them. We saw you. <laughs> I love the fact that she's like, oh, it must have been magic. Uh-huh. Like they <laughs> they gave me an out. Now take it. Um, yeah. um so they they sing the we are resemble but are legally distinct from the Lollipop Guild song and Nibbler eats the slurmworm. Amy appears cuz she's the cute witch of the north and says that uh, in order to get home, you should go talk to the professor. He lives in the Emerald Laboratory down Martin Luther King Boulevard. Y- you mean this yellow brick road? The city council had it renamed in 1975. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. as many, many places did. Um, And so, yeah, it, it is a 
It is a very direct straight Wizard up. of Oz thing. She encounters Fry as the scarecrow, who but- is trying to scare crows by reading Stephen King, uh, specifically Christine, and the crow is just sitting there. Yeah, it's not scared by this. I do want to point out that we we, we missed the resolution of the cute witch uh, storyline, where uh, Amy asks Leela is those are cute boots. Do they come in women's sizes? And then she crushes her with the ship. I did forget about that. I was so excited to talk about Christine. I know. Because, I have it written down too. Because just Fry thinking that reading Stephen King to a crow is going to st- uh, scare it. Uh, Leela walks up, sees the scarecrow and says, hey, the professor might be able to give you a brain. <laughs> Fry says, that's not a very nice thing to say to people. <laughs> it's true because in... In The Wizard of Oz, the Scarecrow directly says, I would like to have a brain. He is very cognizant of the fact he does not have a brain. Sure. In this, everybody just keeps coming up to Fry and being like, you need a brain. It's like, why does everybody keep saying that? Um, They run into Bender as the Tin Man who wants a human heart. He's got to pump a lot of blood out of his basement. That's one of the, like, uh, of Futurama, that's one of the most, like, dissonant between what's happening on screen and what the like it's so colorful and bright and everything and like bender has a lot of blood in his basement he needs to pump out with a human heart it's so dissonant blood is colorful it's red red's a color i okay so the colorfulness of the scene and the darkness of the content of what he says that I'm, i'm not i'm not following well where do you get the blood it's a good question I don't want that question answered. I think that turns... I want uh, a whole, like... Yeah, I think that's Dexter is what you want to be watching. No, I want to watch, like, you've got Breaking Bad, and then you've got Better Call Saul. I want the Bender spinoff about him getting all that blood in his basement. I think we... Actually, I do not want that. Yeah, I was Yeah, I was <laughs> wa- watching you go on that tangent. I'm like, I disagree completely. I was I was waiting for you to just cut me off and you just kept letting me dig that hole deeper. I, I think if there's something that we know about each other is that we're we're never going to cut them off to to let them stop digging. It's going to be hole centric. And then Zoidberg comes up <laughs> <laughs> like in a cab and he's like I'm the third guy. Courage, not enough of it. Need it from what's his guy. <laughs> I love I love how incredibly disinterested is he is through this whole thing mom plays the role of the wicked witch um watching this crew on her uh dsl connection which is just looks horrible and she has her three sons as the flying monkeys go off and capture them fly my stupids so they're skipping along down martin luther king jr boulevard and the three sons pick up everybody but zoidberg and I should also point out, Zoidberg's not even in costume. <laughs> Everybody even else bit. is dressed up, and Zoidberg's just wearing his normal clothes. <laughs> it's um, tremendous. But God, this is a very good Zoidberg episode. I'm telling you. So Zoid, I, I, Zoidberg's like, what? Do I smell? And he kind of sniffs himself. He's like, oh. <laughs> I'm telling you, Zoidberg, very sneaky, but very good in this episode. Um, So they go, they're, they're all at the witch's den, or the the castle or what have you, mm-hmm. where Leela asks why they were brought there. Zoidberg asks why he had to take a cab. <laughs> Mom says that uh, she has never had a daughter and wants Leela to become her daughter and become a witch. Uh, uh, Leela's like, yeah, as long as I can get to hurt people and not just dance around at the equinox. And so they decide that this is the new arrangement. And everyone's happy, and Bender pulls out a bottle of champagne. He says, well, I've heard of worse reasons to drink. (laughs) I mean, I have too. Same. So he pops the cork on it, and a little bit of the champagne gets on Mom, who starts melting. And And says the greatest line. I love it so much. Do you want to deliver it or me? She says, who would have ever thought a small amount of liquid would ever fall on me? (laughs) It's a very good line. It's so good because, like, honestly, Wizard of Oz. C- come on. 
Wizard how, of Oz. How did, how did the Wicked Witch get so far in her life without ever having water, any sort of water splashed yeah. on her? Um, Showers are a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. Obviously can't live somewhere when it's, where it's rainy. Can't live um, in Portland, no. No. It may be, is this what Wicked's about? Is this about how she's gotten through life without having any sort of water splashed it upon her? It must be. I, I've not seen it. Is but that it has is that what be. Defying Gravity is about? Water falls up so it doesn't fall on the Wicked Witch. Is that a song in that? Mm-hmm. Then I'm sure it is. Yeah, figured it out. Never Done. have we even had to watch Wicked. Yeah, like, we got it. We figured it out. We have that whatever two hours back, which we then used to talk about Futurama into microphones. So, well, I'd never said we were smart at using that those hours. So the Wicked Witch. <laughs> The Wicked Witch is gone, and uh-huh. Bender pulls out a giant straw and says, there's no sense in letting her go to waste, and starts sucking her through this straw. The liquid remains. It's, it's just... kind of gross. Every... Alila kind of looks at him like, what are you doing? So the four of them get a cab and go to <laughs> the Emerald Laboratory. I love the existence of cabs. Where the uh, Hermes is like, no one sees the professor because he's trying to get him to sign a will. Yeah. The professor's like, who's that? Is it visitors? I want to see them. And so uh, they walk in and the professor is standing behind a curtain and his head is like big, kind of, you know, like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, as it's you do. Big. And he's like, I am the professor. Great and forgetful. Uh, Nibbler runs up and and uh, kind of pulls the curtain back. And it turns out that the professor just has a giant head on his regular body. It's a great bait and switch. Very good. The professor asks what the nice kids want. Zoidberg's like, nothing. He's hiding behind a chair and says, nothing. <laughs> but if you've got some extra courage, maybe I can haul it away for you. And so the professor says, who needs courage when you have a gun? And hands him a gun. <laughs> and Zoidberg's immediately just like, pew, 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 pew. Yeah. It's... It's pretty great. The professor turns to Fry and is like, and you need a brain. Why does everybody keep saying that? And at that point, uh, Bender grabs Zoidberg's gun, holds everybody up, and um, the professor empties out a bag full of Professor Land fun bucks. 5,000, in, in fact. The professor asks if Leela wants to go home. Go home to Kansas and live in poverty. She says she wants to stay here and become the new Wicked Witch. The professor kind of yells at her to click her boots three times and go go back to Kansas. So she clicks her boots and says, there's no place like, I want to be a witch. And she immediately <laughs> turns into a witch, turns the professor, Bender, and Fry into little frogs. Yeah. Which I love the little mechanical Bender yes. frog. It's kind of cute. If you haven't seen it, go look it up because it's very good. And then... All of a sudden, water falls onto her. From the sky, basically. From a what looks to be like the top of the building or something. And she melts. And then she's like, what's happening? And Zoidberg walks down, <laughs> pulling up his pants and is like, uh, I think there's a problem with your toilet. <laughs> um, and then she melts. And then... Um, As she's melting in this kind of like you know, hallucination dream thing. Uh, Bender splashes a giant bucket of water on her face in real life. And she comes to, uh, and then they say, never mind, professor. She came to, and, uh, the professor's walking in with a big box and giant tongs. And on the box, it says Leela's organs. Uh, Hermes says there's always next year. Um, and then uh, Leela's like, I was having the most wonderful dream, except you were there and you were there. And that's where the episode ends. That's where the tales of interest end. And that means it is time for grades. So as you probably recognize that we've discussed a whole lot tonight is that uh, Zoidberg has a very low key, amazing episode. Uh, 100%. And, and as I am always, hashtag Team Zoidberg, along with Team, Z- Team Scruffy, of course. Um, I, I I mean, from Zoidberg's specific standpoint, it's hilarious. I, I think this episode is... is it, it does a whole lot of different things that it usually can't do. It it Just like any of the like non-canonical, like, sure. let's do something goofy. Um, 
the fact that it just the set the middle story has just the most amount of references to two video games i've ever seen followed by you know a pretty good send-up of wizard of oz and this the beginning story of that kind of like bender body horror Mm -hmm. kind of thing i think all all three stories are very strong Uh, my least favorite one i think is the wizard of oz one just because it's kind of like on the nose every time um but i can't like all all three stories are funny they're you know they're they're short and quick and breezy and well thought out i think I I really like this episode. I think I'm gonna have to give it an A. Okay, I am pretty much straight up uh, in agreement with every point you made. Um, I think the biggest downsides to the episode, um, I tend not to be huge into like non canonical, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a story, but uh, and also there's a lot of weird body stuff that goes on in this episode which is sure less than pleasant that's it that's the only thing the only bad things i have to say about this episode you're right all three stories are hilarious the second one with all the video game references obviously i i grew up playing a a lot of video games Mm -hmm. so like that that tickles me just just the right way and i mean i see your two liter bottle of shasta over there and my all rush mixtape and I gotta get a copy of that. So it, it's just it's so good, and I, um, you know, I I like I said, I, Tom Sawyer by Rush makes me think of this episode. Conga by Gloria Estefan <laughs> makes me think of this episode. Um, I have mimicked Bender smoking and drinking and dancing all at the same time. <laughs> um, there's like so many good things about and you're and then of course the the low-key zoidberg gold mine it's amazing so good uh so yeah i'm also going to give it an a we we'd like to know what you think of these tales of interest so if you would be so inclined you can always email us at back to the futurama podcast at gmail.com you can tweet at us at back to futurama you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash back to Futurama. And we are on Apple Podcasts. So rate us, review us, subscribe to us, and send it to your friends. And, and we, can all, we can build our own anthology of interest. With Blackjack and hookers. In fact, forget the anthology of interest. Ah, screw the whole thing. So <laughs> I think that does it for us. So uh, until next time, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye Goodbye from from the world world of tomorrow. tomorrow.